Praise the Lord, everybody. Can we all stand to our feet? Caitlin, you want to come testify too? She nudged me and said, I want to testify in the car. Oh, you guys can all be seated. Sorry. Calisthenics. Woo, down, up, down, up, down, up. I'm just getting you ready. I just want to say um, we weren't going to talk about what, how we were blessed. We didn't want to, anybody to be like, you know, that's not going. Um, but, you know, I gave up uh, grad school um, because we felt called to the ministry and I, we prayed and fasted about it, and I met with Bishop, and after all that happened, I decided to give up grad school. Um, and when I gave up grad school, um, it was really hard, um, even though all I had ever wanted to do was uh, be a preacher of the gospel and give my whole life to Jesus and be able to do ministry full-time. But it was still hard because it was like a way that I thought I would be able to, like, better myself and I had come from like drugs and addiction and homelessness and all kinds of stuff and I just wanted to like prove you know that I could like do my very best and so when I gave that up I gave up like this huge amount of money that I could make and all these different things and it was really hard but through this whole thing it's like God's showing me that you can trust in God he's going to provide for you everything that you give to him like it's like it turns into nothing Um, Paul said, I count it all but dung that I could gain Christ. He counted it all but dung, like a dunghill, like a cow patty. (laughs) I mean, mean, like, and he gave up, he gave up his whole life. He was, like, big up in ministry. I mean, he was, like, one of the top-notch, like, political and religious leaders, and he gave up his whole family, his whole life. He gave it all up, and he said, but it was just but dung that I could gain Christ, and through this whole thing, like, I've learned that no matter what you give up for God, whether you have to give up friends or family, if you have to give up careers or jobs or different things like that, like, God is going to bless you so much more with what you gain. And what, what we're going to get to go on in April, it's, it's going to be awesome and beautiful, but it's just a little piece of this earth that God created. And he says that he's got so much more greater for us in heaven, greater than we could even think or imagine. And I've seen some pretty cool things on movies and things that people have come up with. I've seen some beautiful pictures of places that we probably won't ever get to go. And I think, like, greater than we could even think or imagine. That's what God has prepared for every single one of us. All we have to do is love him and put our hand to the plow and, and forsake everything else, grab on to Jesus. And he said, I have prepared for you so much greatness and glory with me. And he wants us to dwell with him forever and eternity. I mean, that's a great promise. That's so beautiful. Um, I, I also have another testimony. We got to baptize one of our Bible studies this week, too. So it was like just an awesome week. Um, like, we had worked on her, and I had seen her and taught her Bible study, and she ended up just, like, all of a sudden just, like, left out of nowhere, and I was, like, majorly bummed. I was like, man, I worked so hard, I don't understand, and, like, I just kept praying for her and yeah. stayed in contact with her, and she came back, and she got in the church, and we baptized her in Jesus' name. She got filled up with the Holy Ghost during the ladies' conference. 
so uh, we're going to be having a revival next month. Uh, don't be afraid to invite people to church. Don't be afraid to pray for them. Like, all the time that you spend with them, all the time you spend teaching them Bible studies, knocking on their doors, asking them, texting them. I would text her, like, you know, like, you, you feel like you're being annoying, but just text them and say, hey, I've been thinking about you. I've been praying for you. Like, you're on my heart. Is there something going on? Is there anything we can pray for? Can we meet? Can we have some coffee? Will you come to church with me? And all of those things aren't wasted because they could win some soul to the kingdom of God and they could get to go to heaven with us. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Amen. That's good preaching. Praise God. Let's all stand to our feet and give God some praise. Hallelujah. If you love Jesus, would you just shout unto him right now? Let's all clap our hands. Clap your hands, all ye people. If you really love God, clap him a little louder. Clap him a little stronger. And shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. I'm excited to be in the house of God on a Saturday night. Amen. On any night, really. Amen. Praise God. God is good. I just believe something special is going to happen tonight. If you need a healing, it can and will happen tonight. If you need to be delivered, it can and will happen tonight. If you need God to speak to you, it can and will happen tonight. Anything is possible with God. All things are possible with God. Amen. Amen. Praise God. I give honor to Sister Hainchy. Thank you for allowing me to speak in the international uh, ministry. It's not really international Asian. It's just international, right? Everybody in the world's welcome here. Praise God. But Sister Hainchy, thank you so much for allowing me to speak in, in this, in this uh, ministry and preach here tonight. Very thankful for this opportunity. Um, I give honor to Sister Hainchy. Give honor to my wife. My supportive wife. You guys can be seated for just a moment. My wife. I'm gonna brag on my wife a little bit here, just because. I mean, y'all don't. Y'all don't even know like how great and how supportive she is. When we first started dating, my wife, my beautiful, smart, strong wife, told me. She said, "She said if I'm gonna marry a man like you, <laughs> you better learn how to fast." And I said. Honey, I fast. I'm good. I, I, I'm fasting for Jesus. I'm right there. I'm, I'm in the spirit. Boom. In the spirit. That's what I said to her. And she said, no, you need to learn how to really fast. And so she told me, she made me go on a seven-day fast with her. Nothing. Like, like I could, all I could have was water. And I had not even done like a full three-day fast. Yet. I, was, I had done like maybe like two, maybe two and a half days. But I had never done like a full like seven-day fast. That was crazy. You know, like... And I'm not like saying like the church where I mean like I could have nothing but water for seven days. I didn't, I made it like six and a half or like one hour shy of seven. I don't remember. But anyway, so we start this fast, okay? And so I start this fast. And I'm just like, by the fourth day, I'm like, Caitlin, Caitlin, don't you know, baby, that I love you? I mean, I love God too. That's why I'm doing this. But, but let me eat some pizza, praise God. And I was just wanting some pizza. I like pizza. I'm a pizza. I would do a pizza buffet today. Like, yeah, amen, brother. Pepperonis are from Jesus. 
Hello? <laughs> but anyway, she made me do that. And then me and her, actually, her and I actually started fasting uh, once a week together. And um, I've never been the same. So I, I just give honor to my wife because she really is supportive. It, it, when you get married, uh, it, it, your wife or your husband is supposed to be a helpmate. And they, they are not just there to assist you. They're there to push you to be better. And if it wasn't for my wife, I may never have learned how to fast right. So I give honor to my wife. She's supportive. She actually walked in, in the bathroom today when, I, before, when she got home. I was looking in the mirror preaching, <laughs> practicing my sermon. And I was, so she's supportive. Thank you, honey, for all that you do. Uh, you, can be, you can stand up again. I give honor to Bishop Cornwell tonight and Pastor Scott. Our great, great men of God that lead this church. Amen. Give honor to them. Let's go to John chapter 10, verse 1 through 6. I'm going to talk to you about this subject tonight, the true story of a real shepherd. The true story of a real shepherd. Praise God. Praise God. I won't go for too long, okay? If you get with me, I'll get with the timer. Praise God. <laughs> Praise God. Say amen when you're there. Amen. John chapter 10, verse 1 through 6. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same as a thief... And a robber. But he that entereth in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice. He calleth his own sheep by name, and leadeth them out. And when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them, and the sheep follow him. Amen? The sheep follow him. For they know his voice. And a stranger will they not follow, but will flee from him, for they know not the voice of strangers. This parable spake Jesus unto them, but they understood not what things they were which he spake unto them. You can be seated in the name of Jesus. Lord God, I pray right now, Lord, that you help me deliver this word, help me to preach good, help me to make sense, God. Lord, I pray that you prick every person in their heart, God, and draw them to this place, oh God, draw them to you, draw them into your presence. Lord God, by your spirit, oh God, not by power, not by might, but by your spirit, Lord, let things be done in this house. Lord, I loose miracles, I loose signs, I loose wonders. I pray that today you give us a revelation of the shepherd. I pray that you give us a revelation of your word. I pray that you speak to us, God, that you use us, oh God, that you anoint us, oh God, with holy anointing and with fire from the Holy Ghost, oh God. I love you, Jesus. Help us to be hearers of the word, but also doers of the word, oh God, and not hearers, or hearers only. Oh God, and I pray that today, oh God, we'll be careful to give you all the glory and the honor and praise. In Jesus' name, amen. In Jesus' name. He says, the person that enters not by the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same as a robber and a thief. In verse 7 of this same chapter, he says, that he said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. 
And verse 8 says, All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers. But the sheep did not hear them. The first thing we need to know about the story of a real living shepherd is this. Jesus is the only way to find yourself into the flock. Jesus is the only way to get salvation. Outside of Jesus, there's no one else. Buddha cannot save you. Allah cannot save you. The Hindu gods cannot save you. Idols of Baal. Oh, hallelujah. All the idols of all the Aztecs, all the idols in South America, all the idols that have ever existed cannot save you. Only Jesus is the way. Everybody that came before him was a liar and a thief and a robber. All they did was come to steal you out of truth. But Jesus said, I came to bring you truth. And the truth has come to set you free. Jesus said, I came that you might have life and life more abundantly. He says that I came that I might bring you a real experience. Let me tell you something. Acts 2.38, the Holy Ghost, repentance, baptism. Jesus is a real thing. And he is the only and the most real thing that has ever been. Everything else might seem real. That chair might be a real chair. I might find real rest in my bed. But everything else in this world will never compare to how real Jesus is. I have a real love for my wife. But that love does not compare to the real love that Jesus has for you. Hello, he's the first and the last. He's Alpha and Omega. He's the beginning and the ending. He's the everlasting Father. He's the God that loves you. He's the most real thing in this entire world. Drugs might bring you an experience that, that you get high on and, and you feel good for a momentary time, but Jesus is a lot more realer than that experience. And the Holy Ghost is a lot better than that experience. The fire of God is a lot more better than that experience. The goosebumps and the Holy Ghost and the anointing that's on me right now is better than that experience. It's better than alcohol. It's better than pornography. It's better than fornication. It's better than anything in this world. It's better than all the sins of man. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. He's more real than anything else in this world. He says, all that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. You're in this house tonight because you were given the mercy and grace of God that you might not have heard the lies of false doctrine. My wife, when she first started coming to this church, she got involved with the wrong person, and that person taught her all sorts of false doctrine, taught her that God did not know all things, taught her that God was not, uh, that God didn't come in with sin, uh, sinful flesh or the likeness of sinful flesh. He taught her a whole bunch of stuff that was not true. Taught her that God was not out everywhere all the time. Taught her a lot of different stuff. But can I tell you that by the mercies and grace of God, she was delivered a false doctrine and she's found truth in the eyes of Jesus. Amen. Praise God. Someone pull up verse 10 for me on their, in their Bible and, and come sit right here. Praise God. Praise God. 
Read verse 9 for me, brother. I am the door. By me. That's the only, there's another one there. I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. If any man entereth in by Jesus. Brother, can you give him one of these mics? Oh, praise God. Read it one more time for me. Read it one more time. I am the door. By me. Who's the door? Who's the door? I am. Jesus. Jesus is the door. Go. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved. If you enter in where Jesus' name is marked on the door, that is where you will be saved. And shall go in and out and find pasture. You shall go in and you shall go out and you shall find pasture. What is pasture? What is pasture? Rest. Pastor is rest. Pastor means joy. Pastor symbolizes the hope of life. Pastor symbolizes a new home and a new life. Amen. Right? Amen. Pastor represents a life of freedom and a life of joy. Pastor represents a life of holiness. So what is pasture? Pasture is this place right here tonight. The place where you can find whatever you need. Out there, you're searching all around. There are people all over America right now searching for some kind of answer. They're searching in President Donald Trump. They're searching through all the politicians. They're searching for an answer. They're searching for someone to bring them financial breakthrough. They're searching for someone to fix the corruption in their town. They're they're searching for all these different things. They're searching for the police force to to break the crime. They're they're searching for something, and they haven't found it. Amen. And that's because they have not found pasture. They have not found the door. But can I tell you tonight, at First Pentecostal Church, Jesus says, I am the door. By if any man enter in, he shall be saved. If you enter into this door, If you enter into this covenant with God, you can find salvation. You can find your rest. You can find your joy. You can find your peace. You can find the settling in your circumstance. You can find the breakthrough in your marriage. You can find the healing in that diseased body. I guess no one wants to be healed tonight. I guess no one wants to be, I guess no one wants to find pastor. Hello? If you want to find it, you want to get off your feet and say, Jesus, I want you tonight. Jesus, I want you tonight. Jesus, I want you tonight. I want to find pressure. I want to move inside your presence. Hallelujah. 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 Jesus uh, leaves, uh, leaves you, leads you to pasture. So when you don't know what to do, uh, you can just say Jesus. Yeah. That's right. That's right. 
when you don't know what to do remember you're in pasture you're in the field where all the Christians can graze upon God's good graces you're in the pasture where God's mercy flows like a river and his blood's ready to cover every sin cover every iniquity cover every transgression you're in a place where you can get on your knee and say Jesus I need mercy I made a mistake this week I made a sin this week God I did this thing but you're my pasture you're my God you're the one that brings me into my rest oh God so forgive me oh Lord I'm laying down my labor I'm laying down my heavy laden personality and I'm laying you give me the rest for my weary soul Hallelujah. 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 You can just say Jesus. He said that in the Old Testament, he revealed to Moses, he said, I am that I am. Moses was called out to by a burning bush, and God said, Moses, Moses. And and he said, I'm going to turn and see this great sight. I'm going to turn and see this great sight. And when he turned to see this great sight, God said, okay, now I'm going to speak to him about what I want. But first, take off your shoes for where your goat, where you stand is holy ground. That wasn't just a representation of shedding his past. That was a, that was a shedding of, of his current self to move into the pasture of the shepherd. He was moving into a new land. He was moving into a new dimension. And he was going to be operating as a a person in the flock. But instead, he would be used to lead the flock like a shepherd. But he had to first submit himself to the great and good shepherd. And so he took his shoes off and he entered in that place and God said, Moses, Moses, I, I want you to go to my people and I want you to preach freedom to them. I want you to tell them that they can, they're, that my people are coming out of Egypt. I want you to go to Pharaoh and say, let my people go. But the first thing he had to do was get to pasture. And the first thing we have to do before we can ever go to Pharaoh and said, let my people go. Before we can ever go before God and, and tell the devil to let our family go. We have to find pastor with Jesus. And God revealed to Moses in that same chapter that his name was I am that I am. I am the calm in the storm. I am the healing when you're sick. And that was a revelation of who the great shepherd was, of who the good shepherd was. Moses at that moment realized that he was in pasture and no longer making the transition. Verse 10. The thief cometh not, but to... For to kill, steal, and to kill, and to destroy. So we got two people. The good shepherd. We got three people. Three subjects in this story. The first subject is God, the good shepherd. The second subject is the flock, us. And the third subject is the thief. And it says he comes not but to steal, and to kill, and to destroy. Let me tell you what's going to happen when you dwell in sin. When you dwell in sin for a long period of time, you begin to get your, your freedom stolen. You lose.
lose your joy and you get wound up in bounds and in chains and you lose life God says I come not to steal I come not to kill you I come not to destroy you but I come to give you life and life more abundantly so let me ask you a question tonight are you ready for the pasture are you ready for the good shepherd? Are you ready for life and life more abundantly? Are you ready to see God come through? Are you tired of living in sin? Are you tired of living in your trial? Are you tired of just looking at all the sheep grazing on the grassland and seeing all the good stuff that they get? Are you ready to get what God wants to give you? Forget what the devil has to offer. Forget all the fame. Forget the parties. Forget it. Forget the popularity. Give me Jesus. Give me Jesus. Give me Jesus. What profit a man if he gains the whole world but loses his soul? What profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? He came. He came to give you life. Not because he doesn't like you. Not because he's some mean, ruthless God and wants to make you obey all his rules. Let me tell you what rules are for. Let me tell you what the Bible's for. Let me tell you what commands in the Bible are actually for. They're not to keep you from having fun. They're to keep you from hell destroying you. They're not to keep you from, from sin. It's to keep sin from controlling you. It's not to keep you out of the party. It's to to keep the party from taking over your life and destroying your kids. You can read the next verse, brother. I am the good shepherd. He's the what? The good shepherd. The Boy. good shepherd giveth his life. For the sheep. He gave his very own life for his sheep. He gave everything that he had to give. He says he came in the likeness of sinful flesh to die for you. It says that the Father, this is, this is the scripture, this is not me, this is scripture. It says the Father came reconciling the world unto himself. Read the next verse. But he that is an hireling and not the shepherd, whose own the sheep are not, seeth the wolf coming and leaveth the sheep and fleeth. And the wolf, ca the wolf catcheth them and scattereth the sheep. When you don't follow God, the wolf will catch you and kill you. But when you're following the good shepherd, you will be successful. Amen. Amen. The hireling fle flee fleeth because he is an hireling and careth not for the sheep. He ain't somebody that just hired a shepherd to come watch over you and said he became the shepherd for you. Amen. He didn't just hire some worker from, uh, the, uh, from WSU that just graduated that don't know nothing, that just has us. 
Praise God. That just has an education but doesn't have any experience. He didn't just hire somebody right out of college and expect them to rule over your sheep and rule over your children and rule over you. Instead, he said, I have all the experience. I have all the education and I have the anointing. So I, God, am going to become the shepherd for you and watch over you and protect you and take care of you because I know all things and I can do whatever I need to do. He is a good shepherd. He does not leave like everybody else. When I was growing up, how old was I when my dad left? I was six months old when my dad left. He told my mom later on down the road that he wanted my brother and not me. He said he, he, said he wanted my brother, but not me. And he left me. And I didn't grow up with a dad. It's not my mom's fault. I didn't grow up with a father. I didn't grow up with a shepherd teaching me how to go and how to come in and how to go out. But God is not like all those other dads. God is not like all those other fathers, but he is a good shepherd. And when he says, I want you, he means I want you. And when he created your being in the womb of your mother, he said, I have formed you and I have shaped you and I have made you the way I want you to be. And I am drawing you because I'm a faithful father. I'm a faithful shepherd. I'm a faithful God. And I want you. He, the party people, may have left you. Your dad may have left you like my dad did. Your mama may have left you. Your, your friends may have left you. Your grandparents may have left you. You may have been molested and left to rot. You may have been raped and left to be destroyed and hurt your heart and rise up with bitterness. You may have been hurt but God says I came to take that hurt. I came because I'm a faithful good shepherd. That's the real story. That's that's the real story of the shepherd. He's not there to hurt you. He's there to love you. And while I was in a sinner, Christ died for me. He's a good shepherd. And he does not leave. And he's not like a hireling. He's someone that cares. And he's invested in you. He's invested in you. And I didn't have a dad. And God sent two men in my life. First person was Rocky Stone. I was going to high school at Rose, in Rose Hill. And uh, I, didn't, I didn't really, I was kind of, I was lonely. I had friends, but I was just a lonely person. I was depressed. I was sad. I, I, I literally had thoughts of suicide. My mom doesn't really know this much. Maybe she does. I don't know. But I had thoughts of suicide sometimes. Sometimes I would, I would just picture in my mind, I'd be laying in bed, maybe going to sleep, or maybe I'd be at school. I'd just picture myself putting my neck through a, a, a clothesline or some sort of a contraption. I would think about hanging myself in the closet, and I, I didn't know why I would have those thoughts. I didn't know. I just felt abandoned on the inside. I felt hurt on the inside. I felt destroyed on the inside, not because of anything my parents did but because God allowed me to see what it was like for a time not to have a father and then God out of nowhere put a man in Rosehill High School 10, 15, I don't know how many years before I ever got there and I was the first and only person he's ever won to God fully 
And can I tell you that God put him there years and years before and made him grow in the grace and knowledge of God in this church that I might have a spiritual father, that I could learn from a man on how to be a better person, that I could grow up, that I could learn how to respect my mother, that I could learn how to love people instead of feeling so much hate. Can I tell you, God can do the same thing for you. God can send a man. God can send a woman. God can send a friend. God can send whoever he wants to send to make you better and to help you grow and to show you that he does love you, that he is a good shepherd and he's not going to just leave you uh, in that depression and suicidal thoughts and said he's going to send somebody to help you and then he sent another man I got in church uh, and then I, I had to go to the next level and, and God sent Jonathan Bankins into my life and I started learning how to, how to uh, preach and I learned how to, how to teach Bible studies and I learned how to care about people and souls and, and, now, and now I'm preaching and now I'm teaching Bible studies uh, and I've grown up so much I, I used to be just a child uh, and I thought as a child I spoke as a child I understood as a child but when I became a man I put away childish things in the spirit God showed me how to grow up because my father left but he said I am the everlasting father I am a good shepherd and I'll teach you everything I'll need you to be week 15 verse 3 whether they pull that up there for me And this, uh, or and he spake this parable unto them, saying, "Next verse, brother. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, doth not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after that which is lost until he find it? It wasn't a common practice to go after just the one." If you can make a whole bunch of profit off these, why would you go after the one that was probably already slain by a wolf? Right? I mean, that's not, that's not economically uh, feasible. That's not, that's, not, that's not wise. But what's the next verse say? It says, and when he had found it, he lay it on his shoulders rejoicing. Next verse. And when he cometh home, he calleth together his friends and his neighbors, saying unto them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. The first verse there that we read, or second verse, said it had a question mark. He's asking them, would you actually do that? And when he cometh home, next verse, is that the right verse? There you go. I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth more than over ninety and nine just persons who need no repentance. Let me tell you what kind of good shepherd this Jesus is. Let me tell you what kind of God this Jesus is. He's the one that says, I will leave this entire congregation tonight. I will leave this entire place tonight. I will leave every person that's repented and I will go to the one that is lost and I will go to the one that is broken. I will go to, I will go to that depressed teenager in Rose Hill High School many years before he ever even gets there and I will set up a divine intervention. 
I will set up a meeting with him. And if he responds, I will put that sheep, I will put that lamb, I will put that animal on my shoulders and I will carry him all the way back to my flock and I will make him my own. How many of you got rescued out of the devil's hands? How many of you got picked up by the good shepherd and said, I'm leaving the 99. I'm coming to get the one that I love. I'm coming to get the one that I love. I'm saving you. I'm healing you. I'm taking you to where I need you to be. I want you. I want you. He'll leave the 99 just to save your wife, just to save your kids. He'll leave the 99 just to make a way out of no way. Because he says the one is just as important as all of the others. The Constitution says that all men are created equal in the eyes of God by their creator. Can I tell you that men wrote that? And maybe not all of them believed it. But Jesus does believe that. All men are created equal in the eyes of Jesus Christ. All men. I don't care what race you are. I don't care what ethnicity you are. I don't care where you go to school, what your job is, what you do for a living, how much money you make. Jesus said, I want all all of you. You see, you see, this flock, this flock is all inclusive. Like, this flock is all inclusive. You get your food, you get your shelter, you get your money, you get your salvation. Not in that order, you know what I mean. You get everything you need. But not only that, but I want you, 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 I want you. It's all inclusive. It's all inclusive. He says, no matter where you are in this world, I will send my spirit to come and draw you. I will pour out my spirit. Thus saith the Lord, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. That's what the word of God says. It says he's got brought his spirit on all flesh. And as we lift him up, he'll draw all men unto him. Amen. Praise God. He'll draw all men unto him. It's an all-inclusive kind of flock. You know, you don't have to be perfect to receive salvation. To receive salvation, you don't have to be perfect. Actually, the word perfect in the Bible, when it says, be thou perfect before me, that word actually translates to be mature before me. Be a mature Christian. Grow in my grace and knowledge. Grow in my statutes. Grow in following my commands. Grow in righteousness. It doesn't mean I should be a perfect person. No one can do that except Jesus. And even he struggled. Even he got tired. He went into Sinai and said, God, he said, God, the man praying to the spirit of God, Jesus, the man was praying to the spirit that indwelt him said, God, this cup is hard to bear. And he got tired. He hungered. I don't know where I was going with that. But I feel the Holy Ghost right now. But even Jesus got tired. And the Bible says that you don't have to be perfect to receive salvation. 
He just wants you to be open. All he cares is if that one sheep, that one lamb, wants to come back to the flock. And if he wants it, he's willing to go get it. Let's look at Psalm 23 and verse 1. Praise God. Hallelujah, Jesus. I love you, Lord. Thank you, God, for saving me. Psalm 23 and verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want the entire psalm up there if you can get it, brother. Hallelujah. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. Hallelujah. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, and my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. He's a good shepherd. He's going to prepare a table in the presence of your enemies, and he's going to make those enemies bow down at the end of time. He says, revenge is mine, thus saith the Lord. If someone's been persecuting you, if someone's been hurting you, God is the one that handles it. You don't handle it. Jesus will handle it. And when he handles it, it will be perfect. It will be pure. And he will bring righteous judgment. But God says, I will make your cup run over. I will make goodness and mercy follow you all the days of your life. Praise God. John 10 chapter, or excuse me, John 10 verse 14. I am the good shepherd and know my sheep and am known of mine. Which flock are you in? Praise God, come on. Which shepherd are you following? Are you following the son of God or the son of perdition? Are you following God or the devil? Which flock are you in? Let me tell you something. You can have goodness and you can have mercy and you can have all of those things. But if you don't have a repentant heart, if you do not have a heart that stayed on Jesus, you are not in the right flock. And only you can make the decision to follow the good shepherd. So how? How do you follow the good shepherd? Acts 2.38 says, uh, Peter said unto them, actually go, go to verse, Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized. Every one of you. 
in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. That's what it says, right? What did it say before that, though? It says, verse 37, Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? How do I find the answer that I need? How do I get saved? What should I do? He says, you listen to me. I've grown up with you Jews all the days of my life. Ever since I was a young little boy, I knew you and I knew you and I knew you. All my brethren, I knew you. I knew the people of this city. I, I, have, been, I, have, I have seen all of you. I've been in the temple with you guys. But listen, 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 people. It's not the same way anymore. It's not, it's not the same plan anymore. Now, now it's a new covenant. Now, how do you get in the flock? You got to repent. You got to be baptized, every one of you. Every one of you. Translation in English from those words means all. Every single person, all in existence, if you have breath in your body, be baptized in Jesus' name for the remission of your sins. If I write a check to you and I put uh, $5,000 to wife, and it's in the account name, you know what I'm talking about. And I just put, uh, and, I, and I endorse it and all that good stuff, but I don't endorse it with my name, I just endorse it with a title. You can call me preacher. They ain't going to cash that check, especially because they don't have her name on it. If I give her a check, or if they don't have your name on it, they ain't going to cash it. Right? How do you pay off a bill? Or the old school style of paying off a bill. They send you an envelope in the mail, and inside that envelope you got the bill, the billing statement, and you got to remit envelope right and you put your check inside that remit envelope and you send it back to the company they take that check and they're like oh hey we got the money to chain all right but if you don't send it in the remit envelope your balance is still there and you're still past due and that's why he says you need the remittance. You need remission. Comes from the word remit or the word clearing of debt, clearing of balance. You need to clear your balance in the only saving name of Jesus. If you have not been baptized in Jesus' name tonight, you need to do it. Because wherefore the like figure unto baptism doth also now save us. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. That's what the Bible says. Right? That's the word of God. It says the right figure whereunto baptism doth also now save us. So you got to be baptized. And you got to get the gift of the Holy Ghost. Speaking in other tongues as the Spirit giveth the utterance. Praise God. So, so what, what gets you into the flock? What gets you in the flock? Repentance. In baptism, but what happens in baptism? Go to Acts chapter 20, verse 28 for me, brother. How do you get in the flock? I love this verse. Verse 28 Take heed, therefore, unto yourselves and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God which he had purchased with his own blood. Okay, so this verse is actually telling him, look, you need to make sure you're watching over the flock and protecting them. That's what he's actually talking about. But in the context of the verse, he actually begins to describe something underneath the, the actual uh, uh, words. He, he's, he's giving you, um, he's, he's making you read between the lines too a little bit. And he says, to all the flock 
which the Holy Ghost gave you, you feed them, and the flock became the flock because Jesus purchased it with his blood. The flock became the flock because it was purchased with the blood. If it wasn't for the blood, there'd be no flock, and there would be no overseer, and there'd be no Holy Ghost. So go down in the blood. The blood's in the baptism. John 10, verse 25. Wait, Jesus said this? Jesus answered them. Jesus answered them. So, so it's not Brother Nate saying it. It's not me saying it. It's Jesus saying it. And by the way, if you don't believe Jesus was real, outside the Bible, boom, out of, G, out of, out of the Bible, into history, boom, right there, in history books right now, okay? History books actually prove that Jesus existed. History books, Israeli history books, actually prove Israelis, some most of them are Hebrews, most of the Hebrews and Jews don't even believe that Jesus is the Messiah, but their books actually say he died on the cross and came back to life. History books say that, just for any of you doubters out there. Okay, go ahead. I told you, and ye believe not. And you believe not. He said it, you didn't like it, you got offended, and you didn't believe it. Go ahead. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. But ye believe not, because ye are not of my sheep, as I said unto you. Keep going. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them. And they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Wait for it. Wait Neither for it. shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all. I give them eternal life. I give them salvation. I gave them my life. And no one, no one can pluck them out of my hand. No one can take you out of your salvation. The only person that can take you out of your salvation is you. Once saved, always saved is a dead, false doctrine. It's a lie. You can go to hell if you choose to go to hell. I could be preaching up here tonight. I could be preaching right now. I could be. I could have repented before I came up here. I could be doing super well for Jesus. Uh, but if I went home and I cheated on my wife uh, and I left her and I never came back to the house of God and I got involved with pornography and the rapture happened, I would go straight to hell. Amen. So it's your choice and your choice alone. Do you want to be in the flock? Do you want to go to heaven? Do you want to see the good shepherd? That's the truth of a, that's the truth about Jesus. You can choose him or you can choose the devil, but there's no gray area, there's no in between. Jesus is the way, the truth and the life. And without him, you have no life. Amen. Next verse. I and my father are one. I and my Father are one. So I am your only hope. Mm -hmm. Hear, O Israel, the Lord my God is one Lord. Let's all stand. So why? After all of that, 
Why should you follow the good shepherd? Why should you even care? Well, number one, God's not going to prove that you need to care. He's not going to come into your house tonight and say, Caitlin, I know that you don't really like me, but would you go on a date with me? So she's going to say no, right? When you need God, you will be brought to a decision. When you need God, you'll be brought to a decision. And it's in the moment of that decision where you either choose God or you choose the devil. And God, God gives people extra chances. I'm not saying he doesn't. That's not God's merciful. The Bible says that. Actually, he gave Cain three chances. Cain killed his brother. Cain said, no, I'm, I'm, I'm going to mock you, God. I don't really care. And then actually, Jesus actually uh, uh, says, you know what? I'm going to let you live out your life. But you'll never be a Christian. You'll never follow me. But as a last act of mercy, I'm going to let you live out your life. So God is merciful. But your decision holds eternal weight. Your decision makes a difference in life. Not only in your life, but in the lives of those around you. One last reason you should serve God or reasons is this. He's Jehovah God. He's Jehovah Nisi, your banner. He'll fight for you. He'll protect you. He's Jehovah Rofa, your healer. He's Jehovah Shalom, your God of peace. Jehovah Jireh, your provider. He's the King of kings and Lord of lords. He's wonderful. He's counselor. He's the Prince of Peace. He's the everlasting God, Father. And he's the mighty God. He is your source and your sustainment. He is the prize worth fighting for. He is the hope of glory. He is the advocate, the Lamb of God, salvation manifested, the resurrection, the life, the shepherd and bishop of your soul, judge and men of war and men of sorrows. He is the head of the church. He is master. He is servant. He is faithful. He is holy. He is righteous. He is perfect. He is good. And he is pure. He is a true witness. He's a rock. He's the ancient of days. He's the firm foundation and the rock of all ages. He's the poor of the the poor and the high priest. He's the living water. He's the bread of life. He's the rose of Sharon. He's the Alpha and Omega. He's the true vine. He's the Messiah. He's the teacher. He is the Holy One, the mediator, the beloved branch. He is the carpenter, the good shepherd. He's the image of the invisible God. He is the word and the chief cornerstone. He's the Savior and he is the author and finisher of our faith. He's the Almighty. He's Shiloh. He's the Lion of the tribe of Judah. He is the great I Am. He's the I Am that I Am. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He is your deliverance from drugs and your escape from the world. He is everything. He is everything. He is everything. He is your way when there is no way. He's the ruler of the valley when you're in the valley. He's the top of the mountain and the beauty and perfection 
reflection of the sky when you're working your way up a hard trial. He is the God and the great physician that takes sickness out of your body. I wonder if you'll choose him tonight. He's the one that gave his life on a cross and died for you. I wonder, are you going to choose him tonight? This is open. It's open. I wonder if you're going to choose him tonight. He's the God that said you're worth dying for. He's the God that got thorns in his head and nails in his body, a spear in his side, and glass tore up in his spine and back. I wonder if you'll choose him tonight. Hello, is anybody wanting him besides my wife? Is anybody wanting Jesus in this house? He's the God that sanctifies you. He's the God that helps you. He's the God that loves you. He's the God that sees you. He's the God calling out your voice. He's the God that's been trying to wake you up with all the pain in that broken relationship. He's the God that's, that's calling out your name when all you have to give is nothing. He's the God that says, I want to bring rest to your weary soul. He's the God. He's the God. He's the God of everything. Hallelujah.